to Hillcrest Church Audio. We hope today's message will help you grow. Thanks, Gavin, Olga. Really fun to meet Ezekiel. Thank you for that. I want to say welcome to you. My name's Tim. I get to serve on the teaching team here at Hillcrest Church. And we are going to begin today by opening up our Bibles. I want to invite you to turn to the book of Exodus, chapter 3. Exodus is the second book of the Bible, way to the left. We're going to look at this encounter between um, a man, Moses, who ended up being a leader of the people of God, and between Moses and God himself. And so we're going to pick up in Exodus 3, and I'm going to begin reading right here in verse 1. So you can follow along with me. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. So Moses, he's doing his, he's just kind of about his business. He's doing his job. He's shepherding out in the desert, um, the wilderness here. And he comes to this mountain and it's called the mountain of God. But that's because later on, God's going to encounter his people here. Um, And it's reflecting that back. At this point to Moses, it is simply a mountain. And this is what happens at that mountain. Verse 2, there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Uh, Rabbis over the centuries have wrestled with this text. And they've created midrashes, kind of these wonderings, ponderings of what was going on here. And one of these ancient midrashes asks the question, what if this bush had been burning for a long time? What if Moses wasn't even the first shepherd to walk by this bush? What if the difference was that he was paying attention and noticed it And was curious and asked questions and drew near to it. What if? It's a wondering. But let's continue on with the text. Verse 4. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face, because he was afraid to look at God. So Moses, he's about his business, shepherding in the wilderness, and he sees this This burning bush, this thing that doesn't make sense, this thing that doesn't all fit together. And he chooses to ask questions, to draw near, and it's in this mystery that is the site of his encounter with God. I was uh, thinking about um, my sophomore year in college recently. 
And during my sophomore year, I was taking a philosophy class. It was springtime. And I have this memory of walking, finishing the class and walking across this green lawn at my university and asking the kind of questions you ask when you're a sophomore in college taking philosophy classes. Asking, like, if there was no God in the universe, why would there be something rather than nothing at all? Like, why does anything exist whatsoever? And, you know, why, you know, people and plants in this incredible complex universe or, or um, reruns of The Office on Netflix, except at the time it was Seinfeld on late night syndicate TV. But why, like, why is something rather than nothing? And it was this kind of this thing, this mystery that I was drawing near into. And I've, uh, I think I was thinking about this because I've been reading a book recently about these kinds of these mysteries built into our universe. The book I've been reading um, is called True Paradox, How Christianity Makes Sense of Our World by uh, author David Skeel. And he explores these different, these different mysteries, these different burning bushes, you might even say, that are built into reality, these things that we wonder about. Why is there something rather than nothing? One of the ones he talks about is what about human consciousness? Why are we conscious, aware of ourselves? He quotes atheist philosopher Thomas Nagel, who says this. Nagel says, The existence of consciousness is both one of the most familiar, yes, and one of the most astounding things about the world. It's about these, these, these mysteries um, in this world, things that don't fit together when we pay attention and draw near. And what if our universe is actually full of burning bushes that we're meant to ask questions about and draw near to that become sites of encounter with God? We're beginning a series, a new teaching series today as a church family. And we're, uh, it's also, Paradox is also in the title, but this series is called Surprised by Paradox. And we're going to be talking about this idea of paradox through the season of Lent as we head towards Resurrection Sunday, as we head towards Easter. And paradox, maybe just to kind of set the table, Christian will talk about this more next week, but just to kind of uh, clear the ground, paradox is not contradiction. Contradiction would be when you have two things that are logically self-refuting. Like something can't both exist and not exist. They're just logically self-refuting. Paradox is, is not that. Paradox is rather when you have two things that you know to be true, but they appear to be incompatible, and yet it is unknown or mysterious how they fit together. And so, you know, we have these classic paradoxes. Like in physics, the, the classic one is that light behaves both like a particle and a wave. In, in, in Christian faith, we have these, these paradoxes. The incarnation, the trinity, the, the goodness of God and suffering in the world. We have these things that are both true, yet it is mysterious on how they fit together. And we're going to be exploring these things. Um, 
to do this, to help with this, we've been talking about it a lot. You've, you know by now, we're going to be using this book called Surprise by Paradox. That we're going to be, as we go through this Lenten series, we'll be looking at the same biblical themes that this book touches on. I encourage you to get one if you don't have a copy. Um, we, uh, you can find one, you know, all the online places. You can order one. If you ordered one um, through us like a month ago, you can come to Hillcrest and pick it up. Those are in now. You can also get one of these bookmarks. We have hard copies in the lobby at Hillcrest, and we also emailed them out in this week's Thursday update that'll just kind of tell you what we're preaching on any given week and kind of what chapters dovetail with what we're preaching about. And so I encourage you to get that. And as Christian mentioned, um, we've got small groups, and we've got a bunch of small groups that are looking at this same um, material. And if you want to join one of those, you can go to our website and find a way to sign up for one of those uh, small groups. But... um, what we're going to be doing during the season, just to be clear, a few people have asked, like, so are we, are we preaching through this, this other book? And no, we're not preaching through this book. We're, we're preaching through Scripture. Our focus is always on kind of going to the text. What has God said through the text? But the, we're going to be following the same themes that are um, uh, approached in this book. So incarnation and kingdom and grace and lament. And so this book is a really nice dovetail or complement um, to do uh, this material. And the reason we're doing this is, here's, I mean, here's the heart of it, just as a pastor at Hillcrest. We have, we have sought um, to be as creative as possible and in many ways as possible to, in this COVID season, connect our community together. We, uh, we want in a time when we can't be face-to-face, all worshiping side-by-side, to provide common experiences to link our hearts together. And so we said, hey, what if during this Lenten season, we head towards Easter, what if not only do we preach and everybody's going through these preaching themes together, but what if our small groups are talking about these things and then we have a book that people can be reading in their personal time and that we could be having this common journey towards Easter together for unity, for connectedness. That's the pastoral heart behind this series. And we really hope that you feel invited to join with us in it. Um, Yeah, that's what I want to say about that. I want to now pick back up with the theme of the day. And I want to invite you to flip to one more text for this morning. I want you to invite you to flip all the way to the right in your Bible, to the New Testament, to the book of John. John is after Luke, it's before Acts, and we're going to go to John chapter 6. And I want to look at a text where Jesus is talking to his followers, and he says things that are quite paradoxical, that are quite difficult to understand and make sense of. And I want to follow how his followers react to what he says. So, John chapter 6, we're going to begin in verse 53. Jesus says this, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in 
them. Now, when his followers first heard this, their reaction was, what are you talking about? How does this, you are in a living person. You want us to do eat what? And even if you're using this metaphorically, why are you choosing this metaphor? This doesn't all fit together, Jesus. Skip down to verse 60. We begin to see the reaction to this. It says, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? And then skip down to verse 66. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus, he says these things that that don't make sense. And some of his followers leave, but Peter and the twelve, they say, Jesus... Um, in, spite of, in spite of you saying some things that are hard for us to make sense of, that maybe we're even, that it offends our sensibilities, it's not all fitting together. In spite of that, Jesus, we continue to find in you the words of real life. We, the, the, the mysteries of you, Jesus, the paradox of life with you, Jesus, makes more sense than life without you. That yes, there are things that are difficult, but the paradoxes that come from following you make more sense. You have the words of eternal life. You, we've come to believe you are the Holy One. It makes more sense of our world than the paradox of life without you, Jesus. We're sticking with you. And what I think you're going to find as we go through this paradox series and we talk about these different paradoxes of faith, I think what you'll find that the paradoxes inherent in Christian faith actually end up making more sense of what it means to be a human in this world than the paradoxes that come from abandoning and walking away or not walking with Jesus. Because... That's the, you know, when when I think about it, that's the truth. That it's not, I mean, sometimes it gets put like, that if you walk with Jesus, or if you're, you know, you you follow the faith of Scripture, that you have to believe these things that don't all fit together. But then if you abandon that, it's kind of a world of rationality where everything fits nicely and neatly together. But that's not actually the case. When you step away from Jesus, there's all sorts of things in this world that don't make sense that I think are actually burning bushes meant to lead us to the living God. I'll give you a few instances. Um, Beauty. Our experiences of beauty in this world. That maybe you've been at a a Bon Iver concert or or seen a sunrise on Mount Rainier. Or I think about my girls' laughing faces as I dance in the living room with them. And you have this sense that you are encountering something transcendent and real. When you encounter this beauty. 
And yet, if the physical material world is all there is and there's nothing more, that experience of beauty has to be explained as merely like an evolutionary byproduct. It's not, there's no transcendent beauty to encounter. What do we do with the burning bush of transcendent beauty in our lives? Or justice. We've talked a lot about, you know, the, 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 the topic of justice has been all over our nation over the last year. Morality. This is another burning bush. The sense of, of, of justice that, that we deeply believe in our hearts. That if, if there is a, a strong person who intentionally takes advantage of and abuses a vulnerable person for their entertainment and amusement, that it is not just violating a social construct. It is violating a moral law of the universe. The fabric of the universe is getting ripped. But if the physical material world is all there is, our sense of justice is a human invention, a social construct. What do we do with the burning bush of justice? Or even I was talking with my family tonight about free will, the sense of choice, that we deep inside we have the sense that there is a you, that you can make real choices in the world, and the choices you make matter, and it makes you who you are. And yet, if the physical material world is all there is, this sense of free will that you have is actually nothing more than this experience of neurobiological dominoes falling that is all predetermined. And yet we know there's a me that gets to make choices and those choices matter. What do we do with the burning bush of free will? I believe there are these burning bushes in reality that when we pay attention and draw near to them, they lead us to an encounter with the living God. I believe the paradox of life with God makes more sense than the paradox of life without God. That we come to this place where we say there is a three-in-one community of divine love, this Trinity God, who in eternity past created the cosmos out of his abundant love and created men and women as his image bearers and gave them uh, consciousness and awareness and um, a sense of morality and ability to choose. And he, he, he wanted to have a relationship with them, but that, that human beings chose evil. Instead of walking with God, they violated the principles of the universe. But God did not abandon them. This same three-in-one God sent the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, to become a full human person, to enter all the way into the human experience, all the way down to the grave, and then out the other side, that people might be made right and reconciled with God, and that Jesus might pull them out of the grave with himself. And that all the paradoxes contained in what I just said, that, that the paradoxes of that actually make more sense of life than the paradox of walking away from that. I love 
in the middle of what I read, this encounter in John 6. There's one line in there that I want to go back to. Uh, he says, Jesus says to them, does this offend you? And then I want to notice uh, what he, he, he adds on. Um, in verse 61 and 62, he says, does this offend you? And then Jesus adds, he says, then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? In, uh, in the book of John, when Jesus talks about ascending, it's always uh, built in the idea that Jesus' ascension, his return to the Father, goes through the cross and the resurrection. And it's as if Jesus is saying to his followers, he's saying, you, he says, do you think, you think me just talking about eating my flesh and drinking my blood is difficult for you to handle? What will happen when you see God-man spat upon and betrayed and whipped and nailed to a cross. The great paradox at the heart of Christian faith is God on a cross. God humiliated. God dying. God on a cross. This is the great paradox at the very center of our faith. And what people have found over and over and over again is that embracing that paradox, that the creator God of the universe would so care for his creation as to enter into it all the way down to a humiliating and painful death, that you and I might be reconciled with God, that that paradox has more life and makes more sense of this world than the paradoxes that come from denying it. Billions and billions and billions of people have said, along with Peter and those disciples, Jesus where else would we go? We have come to believe and know you are the Holy One of God. The ultimate burning bush. Let's pray together. Jesus, uh, I recognize um, that to talk about uh, you on the cross um, as the great paradox is uh, quite literally to approach a holy place. You know, almost a sense that uh, we too ought to take our shoes off even to talk about this thing. Um, but uh, you reveal yourself in this great paradox. And I pray... Uh, I pray for our community uh, today. I pray for all uh, who are hearing these words and um, listening to your voice through these scriptures, Lord. And I pray that you just you speak to us. And I pray particularly for those of us who um, might feel like we're on the fringes of faith. Um, whether uh, we're asking questions, we're seeking, we're exploring. 
whether we're exploring multiple different faiths, trying to decide what we're uh, find to be true, whether we are, uh, we've, we've said we are a Jesus follower, but we right now feel like we're hanging on by the fingernails of faith. I just pray, Lord God, um, that you would, in uh, the burning bush of your cross, again, help us encounter you in this space. Pray this in your good name. Amen. Thanks for connecting with Hillcrest Church. For more info on this and other sermons, visit us online at hcbellingham.com or join us at 9 or 11 a.m. any Sunday morning, 1400 Larrabee Ave, Bellingham, Washington.